So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Ooh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. I'm Warren Sharp from SharpFootballAnalysis.com, and I'm joined by the one and the only Joe House. We are going to talk about some of this weekend's biggest games, dive into some of the bets that we like. I'm going to critique Joe's picks. I'm going to give a couple of my own, and we are going to have a lot of fun in the process. But first, Joe, we just watched the Thursday night game that saw the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold free of the millstone around his neck that was Adam Gase improved to 3-0 and on the season. What did you take away from that game? What I took away from that game is a continued good look by the Carolina Panthers defense, continued pat on the back for Sharp and Sharp Analytics on Carolina as a uh, over contender this year on win totals. Boy, I like the way that looks. Carolina meant to make the playoffs plus still plus money, or it was before this game. That was very, very nice. And look, these are the games that you want to see a team that has aspiration and ambition take care of business because Houston is in a bad spot with, um, you know, their, their third round quarterback making his, uh, his his rookie debut, Davis Mills, who actually, I didn't think he looked terrible. Um, the bad thing for Carolina, two injuries that are concerning, uh, J.C. Horn and, and McCaffrey, two pretty important guys going forward over a 17-game season. Blow but, up that field house. Blow it up like uh, yeah. Heinz Ward running through the Batman Seriously. movie. You know, just blow that field up. I'm telling you, man. But look, that's a great way to kick off this week three slate. Uh, we have confirmation that Carolina is pretty good and that they're taking advantage of their early season um, relatively easy schedule. And they're going to need to. Yeah, because their schedule gets very tough down the end, but they're still in a great spot. You can bet on the last team to remain undefeated. Carolina was plus 700 entering uh, this game. And, you know, one of the bets that I took on this game was the Texans team total under 17 and a half. And that obviously got there without too much stress. A little bit towards the end, if the Texans could have somehow drove, got the two-point conversion. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty easy peasy game. So I know we had some interesting thoughts house on what we noticed from last week. So give me a little couple minute nutshell of what we take away from last week as we move forward to week three card. Well, this is it, right? It sets us up perfectly off that Carolina game. We are value hunting. We're officially in value hunter mode, Sharpie, because last week, week two, is overreaction week. So we, we take yep. a look, and one thing that we particularly honed in on was the teams that in week one got their asses handed to them, lost by 10 points or more. There were seven such teams. Those teams in week two... And we talked about a whole bunch of them went five and two against the spread and three of them were straight up wins. So that that's, you know, exactly what you're supposed to do with, uh, uh, you know, looking for value in the, these early season uh, games, this early season frame. The thing this week that is curious to me is all of these games that are hovering either around seven and a half, seven, eight points, or games that are in this like one and a half, two kind of class. 
and it really feels like this week could be setting up as a teaser week. Now we're going to get to that in a minute, but I I have a question for you in in the context of what we just watched in week two, where you have these underdogs come out and then a handful of them with straight up wins, and I think there there is uh you know some some legs to this this theory. If you're gonna bet on an underdog, take a look at the the money line, especially if the dog is at the line of of seven points. Or less. I think you have a little data on this one. I do have a little data. And uh, so let's just go through. Since 2006, I just took a sample that was close to 3,000 games. 3,000 underdogs that have been lined catching seven points or less. Um, so that's the frame, frame of reference for your mind. Everybody think about the number 3,000, okay? Just about half of those teams have covered the spread, right? It's just under 1,500 but they're actually 51.7%. So again, my sample is a little bit less than 3,000, but 51.7% of these teams cover the spread. Still not good enough to blindly bet them, obviously, and you never would want to blindly bet 3,000 uh, underdogs just to bet them. Um, the, the NFL Betting on the NFL is not that easy, House. Uh, but of those 1473 1473 dogs that covered the spread how many of you how many of those teams house do you think won the game outright dogs of 7 I, or less i'm going to say like a third so like you know 500ish it's actually over 2 thirds <laughs> 1120 of 1473 have actually won the game outright. So absolutely, you hit on it, and you probably do this in your own uh, betting. And I well, do. That's it why on, I asked the sharp question. Yeah, you know I, exactly. So for everybody who's getting into sports betting, getting into betting in the NFL, there is no doubt about it. You know, when when I'm releasing games to my clients, and we have backed a bunch of dogs so far this season, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, I'm not going to every single game send out that we're also taking the money line, but I personally do so on all of these games that have a small dog. And you know, Carolina last week against the Saints, perfect example, catching three and a half points. Um, why the hell wouldn't you want to put a little bit on the money line? Uh, because it's rare that they're going to win that game and not actually win the game. Uh, sorry, cover the spread, but not win the game outright. So you are absolutely onto something, House. Definitely a practice you should continue doing, and everybody who's listening at home should be doing as well. Well, speaking of small dogs, we're walking right into the marquee game. The LA Rams. Now, this line opened up uh, on the one side. The Rams were favored, and then yep. it was a pick em, And now it's Tampa Bay. I think, looking at my book, Tampa minus one and a half at Los Angeles. Uh, and the total there is 55 and a half. Is that what you're seeing on your board right now? I am. Yep. 55 and some 55 and a half as well. So. Look, Tampa's been incredible, right? Tom Brady's on pace to throw 77 touchdowns for a team that became the first to string together nine consecutive wins, including the playoffs, obviously, while scoring at least 30 points in each game. Uh, the Bucks' overall win streak right now, 10. Tampa coming to Los Angeles. We know from what we watched last week with Dallas against the LA Chargers, which turned out to be very profitable for us, by the way. Speaking of money line dogs, thank you, Dallas. Uh, the home field advantage in Los Angeles, it just I just don't believe in it. And I think Tom has some some, you know, there are there is uh, a significant contingent of mass holes that have relocated from Massachusetts out to the West Coast. Still beloved Tom Brady for what he delivered to everybody in the New England area. The thing that I'm wondering about in this game, this is my my kickoff question to you. I listened to the wonderful Cheat Code podcast between you and Ben Solak on Wednesday. All of the deep dives into schemes, into uh, strategy, into how these two teams are going to approach each other. Two great coaches. And the thing that I'm wondering about it really sounds like neither one of these teams wants to run the football. Tell You tell me, Warren Sharp, set the over-under on total runs in this game between the two teams. How many rushing attempts will there be? Yeah, that's going to be hilarious. Um, assuming we don't have quarterbacks running the football, I would, I would be surprised if it was that much more than, you know, 22. 
22, I would say. 22, 22. I like it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the under. Yeah, yeah. I think whichever team obviously is down is going to be throwing the football a lot. And whichever team is up is going to need to continue to build on the score. So before I share some of my viewpoints on this game house, what angle were you looking at for this game? Side or total? There's all there's only it's it's a total. Um I bet this game when it opened at 53. I bet it again at 55 and a half. I love the over in this football game. This is just one of those instances where um, my conviction comes from what uh, I can imagine, and it's also what I want to see out of this game. I just want to see these two teams fly up and down this field. The 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 turf here has this reputation of being like a track. I want this to be a full-on track meet. And so, uh, obviously, both offenses have the potential to put up gigantic uh, point totals, and and uh, I I just want to see that. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm betting it in that manner. Also, uh, on the defensive side, and I know some of these analytics support it, I, I, I trust both coaches to scheme themselves into position to be able to move the football. So that that's really, you know, and there, there's a bunch of stuff that you and Ben Solak went through to support that thesis. And, and that's, you know, the underpinnings for why the over. It's not just because... It's what I want to see. There, there's there's good, uh, solid foundational support for it, which I think you're going to share with us. Now, I here's, here's my thought on your thought process. So number one, great job on getting a good number. You got into the market early. You got a 53. For everybody at home who, after hearing this entire podcast, decides, I want to go ahead and bet this total over because they made a lot of sense with their arguments, my advice to you is do not sit here tomorrow with a total of 55 and a half and bet the over. Why would you not want to do that? Well, because totals in the NFL don't really, they, they, they don't really get too extreme at one end or the other. We are already at close to the max of where this total would be, even if more over money continues to come into the market. We are not going to see a number, in my opinion, that's going to get into the 57-point range, 58-point range. We're, we're, we're just not. And so um, I expect that we've already reached that kind of limit, which is why there's a lot of times when if this thing opened at 53 and that's what House was able to get and the look ahead was 52 and a half, you are going to eventually find people at some point in time, maybe it's Sunday morning, two hours before kickoff, two hours before the one o'clock games kickoff, maybe we're talking 11 a.m., they might start betting this game under the total a little bit. They got some 53. Now they want to take under 55 and a half and have a nice little middle if it lands 53, 54, 55. Anyways, long story short, I would not go at 55 and a half, even if you like the over, you missed out on some of the better numbers. Does not mean this game won't exceed that total, but you might get a better number if you wait a little bit. Now, mm. the fact that you decided to... Uh, you want to see this happen. So that's one of the reasons that you bet on this. That is not necessarily the best thought process, but <laughs> once you placed your no. bet, once you placed your bet on the over 53, you're damn right you want to see this happen. And so at that point, you can start buying into the hype and start believing you are betting on your convictions and you got a good number. From the conviction element of it, the matchups, just the quickest run through that I can give, I already shared some of this on the Solak show, so I'm just going to go through it much more rapidly. The Bucks, thankfully, are passing the ball a lot more on first downs. You know how they were running the ball so much on first downs last year that I did a contest where I gave away, I forget what it was, was it like $100 every first no, down? No, it was 1000 I ended up. Oh yeah, for everyone, for every that's right. run, you, and I think I ended right, up giving right. away in total maybe two thousand dollars. I don't remember exactly. I, I got to go back and look. It was a big number. It was a big number that I just gave away to somebody on Twitter. Um, it was just a contest uh, up on my Twitter handle on uh, for the Super Bowl. At any rate, they're passing the ball at the third highest rate in the NFL now on first downs in the first three quarters. That is excellent. Um, they're getting into much more manageable second down situations because they're not running the ball quite as much into nothing. And then when you look at the defenses, sorry, the offenses that this Rams defense has gone up against, they've been commandeered by Carson Wentz and Andy Dalton. These teams have moved the ball up and down the field on this Rams defense. They just suck in the red zone. Why? Because 
of Carson Wentz and Andy Dalton. And Carson Wentz had two damn turnovers last week inside the three-yard line in the first half of the game. They just walked away with zero points. They drove all the way down inside the three and just turned the ball over twice. Uh, The Bears on eight drives punted only one time. We're talking about Andy Dalton. Everybody's calling for his head. They punted only one time in that game and drove all eight drives into uh, into the uh, Rams territory. I think we're going to see more points from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense led by Tom Brady. On the other side of the ball, when we are looking at what the Rams are going to do from a play calling perspective, we flash back to what they did last year when they played this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense who have a great, great run defense. Weeks one to 10, they were 51% pass on early downs in the first three quarters. They shifted to 77% pass in week 11 against these guys. So as long as Tampa Bay moves to a more pass-heavy attack, just like every single other team that has played this Bucks defense this year, Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Falcons, both of them into the 75% pass range versus much lower than that against other teams this year. Uh, when they played the Bucks, they were up 75%. They played other teams below 50%, actually. Uh, that's what the Rams need to do. I think it's going to be a great back and forth game house. I really am excited for the potential here. You are probably going to tell me that this might make a good teaser leg. Is that correct? I think so because uh, I love the Rams getting that that one and a half there. And the theme for this week, I'm going to beat you over the head with it. There are no fewer than than seven games that I think are that are reasonable teaser candidates this week. So I, I think that there's a small play where the Rams are going to be one of the legs of a teaser, a multi-leg teaser, because we like to get exotic here on the ringer gambling program, but the Rams definitely are, are, are a legit live contender for a teaser on my card this week. Now, the one thing to note on that is when you are teasing games that have higher totals, the expectancy for more points ends up skewing how close these games tend to finish. So most games that are higher scoring don't end up falling as close to the predicted point spread as games that are lower scoring. Typically, that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to happen that way, but sometimes teasing games at this high level of a total does not have as much value inherent in it because of that high total. That said, perfect game to cross the three and the seven with a teaser. Now, last week, the bookmaker that I spoke with gave us two sides that both hit and both of which were sides that nobody in their right mind, the vast majority of the public would not be looking to bet these. I know you weren't looking to bet these house, right? The Baltimore no, Ravens and, and it wasn't, against the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs on Sunday night football. That's right. And the Indianapolis Colts against these very LA Rams with led by Carson Wentz uh, on Sunday afternoon. Those were the two ugly dogs that this bookmaker gave me as two of the bets that he was personally making himself. And both of them covered. And I'll tell you what, the Rams should have lost that game to the Colts, as crazy as that sounds. They they actually should have lost that game to the Colts. But he gave me two games this week. I'll hold one in my pocket. We'll talk about it when we get there. But the first one is on this game. And he likes the Bucks. He just likes the Bucks in this spot. So um, take it for what you what it's worth. This is the public side as well. He thinks the public is going to be right on this game. Well, I mean, they're only, you know, it's it's one and a half points, and there's no home field advantage, and they have they've been impeccable and unstoppable. So it's a pretty you don't have to like you do a whole lot of uh uh brain gymnastics to get there, right? Now, their defense has not been quite as unstoppable. If you look at that game last week, their offense has been great. But their defense, that game against the Atlanta Falcons, that was super close in the third quarter. It wasn't until the Bucs scored 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter, I believe, that they pulled away. But that game was much closer than it looked. Um, And I think it's going to set up another discussion that you have on another game that you're liking at the tail end of this thing. But I think that covers this game. I just want to jump into the full teaser card, if that's okay. all right with you, yeah, because let's do I, it. I mean, the, all, all the, the candidates here, and I'm going to like do a couple different combinations, but I, I'm, I'm interested in, in your take. I, I love uh, the Cardinals teasing them down from seven and a half to one and a half. They are at Jacksonville. I mean, I'm just going to go. I'm looking for every opportunity until we see something that resembles professional 
grade coaching, professional grade scheme, professional grade strategy out of Jacksonville. I'm just going to go against Jacksonville in whatever way I'm comfortable with. So the the Cardinals that that tease down that that's one of them. The Bills from seven and a half down to one and a half. I think that um, their Bills are getting closer to the version of of that intermediate passing game that they really was their hallmark last season. Now they didn't have it against Miami. Washington for for some curious reason is insisting on playing man coverage and the Giants beat the living crap out of them. I mean Darius Slay ran all over I think the cornerback's name is Jackson. Um for yep. for Washington their new and, free agent. Yeah, and and I mean it, I so I think there's still like a little bit of an identity thing going on with the Washington defense. They're not getting the kind of pressure that was the hallmark calling card last year. And, you know, one of the things that you uh, identified for us at the end of last season, as we looked at that Washington defense and the great numbers they were putting up, it was against bad quarterbacks. And, you know, uh, Josh Allen is not a bad quarterback. The quarterbacks that give this Washington defense in this iteration a hard time are quarterbacks that that can move. I mean, uh, Daniel Jones could have run for a hundred yards um, if 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 they if the Giants insisted on it. That might be another way to spring this this Bills offense uh, and get it moving. Let let Josh run a little bit. Let him get outside and 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 move a bit. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. That might be a pro- a player prop. The over total on Josh Allen rushing yards this week, perhaps. Perhaps I'm just putting it out there. Um, but that's that's one that's on this card. The Ravens from seven and a half to one and a half. The Ravens feel that that's against uh, Detroit. Tiny bit inflated, perhaps, because of what we just saw on Monday night and what what's in everybody's eye. Uh, Detroit is a, is like feels like they might be a live dog all season long. You, they definitely are playing hard. Jared Goff um, is not terrible. Jared Goff played in the Super Bowl three years ago. Like he he's competent. Uh, I mean, the NFC um, Championship game that he had against the Saints and the throws that he made in that game. If you, it's, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, the circumstances against Green Bay this week the, started raining. He has small hands. There were turnovers, but Detroit was in that game all the way into the the, the fourth quarter. Um, the other the other games I'm looking at the Browns from seven and a half to one and a half. This is Justin Fields' debut. Um, the Browns, uh, if they are s- serious contenders for the AFC crown, this is a game that they have to win at home. And then I like teasing the Rams up from one and a half to seven and a half, and I like this. Viking situation. I like the Vikings as this really uh, um, uh, cornered underdog. They're desperate and they absolutely positively should be at least one and one after uh, giving that game away against Arizona last week. They could easily be two and oh, they, they, they had the, the, the Cincinnati game. Uh, they had the opportunity to win that game. Um, I love them in this situation against Seattle, taking that line from one and a half up to seven and a half. So that's the teaser card that I have kind of in, in front of me. What are those games jumps out at you? Um, well, let's talk about the Washington Buffalo game first. And be, and the reason is because that was the other game that the bookmaker gave me oh. and all of their sharp money after Buffalo won 35 to nothing last week against the Dolphins is coming in on the Washington football team, has already come in on sure. the Washington football team, and he still thinks that there is value at the seven and a half points to take Washington at that number. Buffalo, th- this game going to come down to pressure, in my opinion. Pressure on both sides of the ball. Both these teams love to blitz. Top seven blitz rate. Both these teams get pressure on the quarterbacks. Top five pressure rate on the opposing quarterbacks. It's going to come down to... Which offensive line is better at picking up the blitz? Which quarterback is better at identifying the hot route, getting the ball out of his hands accurately, timely, and precisely so that they can continue to move the ball? And those passes, and they don't have to be deep passes. One of the things that Buffalo has been doing a little bit is when they've been blitzed, Josh Allen's hanging in the pocket and still trying to get the ball deeper down the field. Josh Allen has been very poor against the blitz this year. Small sample size, yes, but... The play action game and the blitz game that was working so well, like his performance against the blitz last year, has not happened thus far this year. 
And one of the instances I was looking at is that they are throwing the ball a little bit too deep on these blitzes. They don't need to throw the ball that deep. They got guys that are great in space. Just get the ball into Diggs' hand. Get the ball into Beasley's hands. Get the ball into these guys' hands when the blitz is coming. Man coverage out there in space, several yards past the line of scrimmage, and make something happen. And they will. I mean, they will. They will make something happen. So um, we just saw Washington, as you alluded to, they get burned. And Washington has a, has a history, both last year and this year, of when they blitz, if that blitz doesn't get home, fucking toast in the secondary. And so that's going to be imperative that Josh Allen is able to make the right reads and get the ball out uh, as, as in the exact manner I indicated to try to help uh, keep this offense moving down the football field and staying productive. I loved your point on the quarterback running. That's exactly what happens when you're playing, when defenses are very aggressive and then they play man coverage behind that. You have all the DBs turn their backs to the quarterback and they're running back down the field. And you can have a guy like Daniel Jones pick up bunk bunches and bunches of yards at a time. And that's what Josh Allen needs to do. To date, Washington has allowed plus 0.78 EPA, 12 yards per carry, and 75% success to quarterback runs. So I do see some upside for them. The tough part is what's going to happen on the Washington side of the ball. Buffalo made a very big priority to get these pass rushers from the edge to get pressure on the offensive linemen. Ben Solak talked about the tackle situation at Washington, both sides of the line. The tackles are not great. The edge rushers could come in, give Taylor Heineke some trouble. He's looked good. He's shown moxie. He's looked, I've been very impressed with him. I was impressed with him last year. And more importantly than what I think, the team absolutely adores him. They love him. They're going to play hard for him. So that's important. This is his first road start. Will that play a factor? Will that be an issue? Um, I think this game could be, low-key exciting like this is going to be one of the more intriguing games uh and and whoever wins this game is going to feel like they got their division in hand like they're going to be first place in their division feeling pretty good whoever loses this game is going to be sitting at one and two and they're going to feel like they're letting the season slip away from them so it's a low-key huge game um for them i think uh another game to discuss that you mentioned i'm actually really glad that the Seahawks Vikings was placed at 425 Eastern time as the only other game that stands with the Tampa Bay LA Rams game and that these earlier 4 p.m. kicks, which are both at 405 and, and for the record, there, there's really no need to do this. We Why don't we just stick all the games at 425? I don't understand <laughs> this. Let's move a few at this time. Like, mm. let's just let these games play out. And if there's no football on for 10 minutes, we could get more bets in. We could start looking at the lines. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's going to turn off the TV and say, "Up, oh, I'm done with football for the day when you got the, the, the Bucks versus the Rams coming up. But at any rate, that aside, the Jets Broncos, eh. The Dolphins Raiders with Jacoby Brissett, eh. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the Seahawks Vikings game. Why? Because we have two coaches that are defensive minded at their heart, Pete Carroll and Mike Zimmer, but whose defense is absolutely suck right now and there is a high likelihood that these guys are fucking pulling out their hair on the sidelines and just not sure what to do with themselves and i really don't know because both of them at their core would want to try and run the football keep the game close not lose it with any mistakes but the problem is going to be that there are going to be big plays made in this passing game Say what you will about Kirk Cousins. He's got the receivers and he's got the arm talent. He's going to be able to make big plays through the air against the Seahawks secondary and vice versa. Russ with DK Metcalf going up against this Viking secondary will be able to make some big plays through the air. And then the team's going to get ahead. And then the team that's down, like Mike Zimmer, is going to be like, oh shit, we can't lose another game here. We're 0-2. We can't fall to 0-3. So then he's going to point at the OC and say, get a little bit more aggressive. And so they're going to start throwing the ball. And then it's just going to be this back and forth. It's going to be great. Like that game, I can't wait to watch that game on 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 the side. I do not think we're going to see some type of like a 
23 to 20 type final here. I think this game's going to be back and forth, kind of oh. fun to watch. Um, so an over total perhaps there. I have, I, I have not bet this game over. I don't want to give the illusion that I bet this game over. I've done yeah. nothing with this total, but I think that we could have the opportunity to see a fun back and forth game here. Um, so I am excited to see that one. I do think the Vikings are absolutely desperate and they make for a great teaser. Like the only issue is you mentioned the Baltimore Ravens, you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings injuries in both of these situations and we're going to need to monitor that you've got lamar jackson who is sick right now supposedly not with covid that would be his third time with covid if he did have covid but they say he's just sick with a stomach bug or something um i don't know how they have those that level of detail but at any rate and then minnesota dalvin cook their number one running back obviously is not practicing he did not practice wednesday he did not practice thursday and house I don't know, man. There is the offense coordinator there, Clint Kubiak, Gary yeah. Kubiak's son. Heard and, of him. And he gave one of the worst, most disgusting quotes that I have seen. We got to get it into this gambling show podcast house. Here is what he was asked. He was asked by Vikings beat reporter, why do the Vikings keep running the ball on second and 10? And he said, probably the most disheartening response to that question possible and this is what he said quote i think it's trying to get the ball to our best player and dalvin's one of our best players we're just trying to find plays you think are going to work anything to dalvin at all dalvin to the left dalvin to the right hand it off throw it to him just get the ball to dalvin cook and put it in a guy's hands that can make plays what, what what is he talking about here? Has he not heard of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen? Has he not understood that his offense is more productive when they throw the football down the field in the air? Like, yeah, Dalvin Cook is a good running back. He comes nowhere close to putting up the EPA that you're going to add when you throw the ball to any of your good receivers. So I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Very disheartening. I agree, and that that takes some of the wind out of my Minnesota sales. I mean, there's there are a couple trends. Zimmer's five and zero at home. Uh, as a home dog uh, against the spread, coming off of a loss, and they're the 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 I love this home dogs in game three, zero and two home dogs in the third game of the season, uh, nine four and one against the spread over the last five years. Like situationally, it feels good for for Minnesota, but goddamn, don't don't run the fucking ball on second down with Dalvin Cook. Yeah, come on, Kubiak. Speaking come of on, coming Kubiak. on, come on, Kubiak. Speaking of coming on. Let's jump ahead to some of the other games that you're looking at. I 100% agree. A lot of great teaser legs. I'm going to have a lot of those on my card. I'm sure you will as well. What are a couple sides that you're looking at or totals? I really like the Chargers, and I didn't know how much I like them this week. They are uh, getting six and a half points at the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, that Chiefs defense stinks. What the hell is going yeah. on with the Chiefs defense? I mean... That wasn't like an all-time. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. And on top of that, uh, so we, we expect a big game. You can stack up Austin Eckler and all of your DFS and, and you know the fantasy stuff. But Justin Herbert has been insanely accurate this season. I mean, Ben, ben you and Ben went through some of the stats and, and Ben and Steven Ruiz and some of the other Ringer folks have just been absolutely astonished by how good Justin Herbert's been so far. The the, the only person holding back <laughs> Justin Herbert so far this season is uh, Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. He's the only guy that can stop Justin Herbert. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? <laughs> what the fuck? So look. The guy closest to the issue, the guy who could make it even better. And you know what? He probably thinks, well, this is why Justin Herbert's playing so well. This is, you know, the, what we are doing is helping him to perform as and, and throw the ball as accurately and high enough uh, completion, percent, completion percentage above expectation as what he's been doing. So well, especially on third down, it's just insane. Well, you know what the position that they're finding themselves in. And yet, you know, he, he Herbert is, is just pulling a rabbit out of the hat every single time. Part of the thing that I'm, um, I find compelling about the chargers is just like, this is an important divisional game for, for them. They play the Chiefs tough both games last season. I really feel like, you know, they identity-wise think that they can 
hang with the Chiefs, and there's absolutely nothing about the Chiefs' defense that makes me think that um, they 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 have uh, the capacity to slow the Chargers down. You shared a stat on Wednesday, and this is the clincher for me, uh, that really points to the inflated lines that the Chiefs have have been rolling through since Week Nine last year. What what is that stat? Since week nine, Kansas City is one and eleven ATS their last twelve games. Yeah, so this, this that's a that that does it for me. I I love the Chargers in this spot. And what's crazy is, I mean, obviously the Chiefs have won most of those games, but the issue is that their perception in the public's eye is greater than the product out on the football field from a combination of defense and offense, everything combined, they're not winning by as many points as you might expect them to. Some of that is that they don't need to. And some of it is also that the lines are inflated. So they just need to win the game. They're not looking to put up margin and they are a very smart team. That's not going to try to overexert themselves late in the game. And so what happens is they're up by six or seven points and they just feel like well let's just get a first down and run the clock and use this and let's slide in bounds let's not score the touchdown all these things that end up hurting their offense preventing them from scoring but actually bring them closer to winning the game by just keeping the ball and not letting their defense back out onto the football field and so that's why a lot of their games end up being in one score coupled with the fact that this team notoriously starts slow and ends up being in holes or deficits or just not really pulling away in that first quarter. They're almost like like the Green Bay Packers last year scored the most points in the first half of any team since 2014. And the team that scored those points in 2014 were Aaron Rodgers' Green Bay Packers. And the team that scored the most points prior to that was the Tom Brady 2007-16-0 New England Patriots. So the Packers last year was this High-powered offense is going to prioritize scoring in the first half of games, get up to big leads, sail, and coast a little bit in the second half. That's how they won their 13 games. The Chiefs end up having to grind it out a little bit more in the second half. I don't like the strategy. I don't think they come out. The Gates saying, well, let's keep it close at halftime and then we'll find a way to win. You know, they're trying, but they just don't seem to click on all cylinders when they hit the ground. I... I don't want to say from the moment I saw him house because that wouldn't be true, but from very early on last season, I fell in love with Justin Herbert's abilities sure. and yeah. his performances and what he was doing. And it was like the the cool part about that romanticism was in spite of Anthony Lynn, he was doing this and he was setting these records, most touchdowns by a rookie quarterback in history and you know, winning offensive rookie MVP and all these different awards that he got and accolades he was receiving. But now they've got a smarter staff. Like theoretically, they got rid of Anthony Lynn. Let's play to his strengths. We know he's a fucking stud. Let's start playing to his strengths. And I haven't seen that enough this year. I know we iterated that on the uh, Solak show with me on Wednesday. Let's and just call I'm, it cheat code. I mean, okay. We, we talked about it on the cheat code show on Wednesday, and I really am hoping that they start doing a little bit more of that. They're going to have to, cause they do think the chiefs offense, but I, I will say this though, house last point on this game. This is one of the defenses that has slowed down the chiefs. You yeah. know, this this defense, the style of which they play has worked in the past. So this is going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. I also think it's great that this is an early game. You wouldn't expect the Chargers at the Chiefs, two AFC West teams, to be playing at 1 p.m. on the East Coast. But that's what we've got. This is definitely going to be one of the games that we're going to be having on the screen along with yeah, that, the, the Washington game and the Patriots yeah, game. Those are going to be gonna fun. That's going to be my, my split screen. You know, it's a great point you just made about um, that Chargers defense. This might be an under for me. I might do an under on this game. That's just, I'd like that as a lingering, you know, last thought. Well, you just mentioned the Green Bay Packers. Can we talk about them real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Do you, can you explain to me why this line opened at four and a half? And I think it currently sits at three and a half with the San down Francisco to three. 40. Down to three. Oh, okay. So smart money's coming in now. That that that's yep. what's what's happening here. Okay, because exactly. I, I I now I don't really I'm not going to play this game. Uh, I mean, I was. What interested, were you looking at? Um, 
at a four or three and a half. And what I was curious about is why it's anything more than two and a half. Why is San Francisco getting what feels like an extra point premium above uh, a home field advantage? Well, their home field kind of stinks. Like they right. don't have a great right. home field. Agreed. The other interesting thing about this game house um, is that the 49ers made the intelligent decision to stay out in the Eastern time zone last week between games that they played on the East Coast so they didn't have to fly all the way back. Very smart. They've done that several years in a row now. Every single time that they do these back-to-back road games out on the East Coast, they win their games. They're they're 6-0, and staying the last three years out on the East Coast for these back-to-back games. But then they fly home, and they've been gone for over two weeks. Yeah. And by the time that they return home, there's a lot of shit going on that they missed out on in their life and their kids yeah, and everything right. else. And home. then they're tired and then they have to get back into studying. And you know what inevitably happens? They come out like dog shit in the first quarter of that game. And they are down at halftime most of the time in those couple of games. They barely came back in the fourth quarter against the Mason Rudolph-led Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019, a team that went eight and eight. They barely came back to win that game in the fourth quarter, and they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that, now granted, Nick Mullins was the quarterback at this point in time, but they lost to them, and the Eagles went 4-11-1 and and or what uh, last season. So this is where it's going to be this interesting dynamic house to me in this game is, I just mentioned it, the Packers getting out early. Can they do that in this game? We know that they were very efficient against the Lions but the Lions just were cutting through their defense <laughs> yeah. like a hot knife through butter. And, and so they were up at halftime. The Lions were up at halftime, even though the Packers weren't punting the ball early and were having efficiency and scoring points. The Lions were up at halftime because I think the Packers might have settled for one field goal. Um, but that's going to be the key here. If the 49ers start out a little sluggish and Kyle Shanahan, credit to him. He noted this, he saw the pattern that had emerged, and they made a couple of adjustments in their early week schedule, uh, giving guys extra rest, doing a half day instead of a full day, uh, giving a vet day instead of not giving a vet day to some of the guys. Um, So he made those decisions because he saw the sluggish performance. That being said, if the Packers come out like the 2020 Packers with their high scoring offense early, just look at this. 49ers offense. Like I love Kyle Shanahan, but Jimmy G has some limitations and they don't really have a lot there in the receiving game besides Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Like they're not really built to like overcome big deficits. It gets them out of their run game, which is one of the things that they do so well, even with their backup injured running backs that they're going to have to trot out there. So um, I think that this vital that either the 49ers can get off to a fast start themselves against this bad defense of the Packers or the 49ers defense somehow gets the pressure they need to get on Aaron Rodgers like we saw the one year where they blew out the Packers and just disrupt this passing game from the jump so that the 49ers offense can ease themselves into this game. Yeah, there's a couple curious angles to this. This is the primetime Sunday night game. I mean, another great primetime game. Aaron Rodgers loves to play in primetime. The Packers have won eight straight primetime games and covered in seven of them. And Rodgers is five and two against the spread over the last couple of years as as a road underdog. And you mentioned Jimmy G. This is curious to me. The the he he the uh 49ers are seven ten and two against the spread as a favorite since Jimmy G became the starter. Seven ten and two as a favorite. So I don't know if there's like a a front runner kind of thing that's that's a that's an issue. I'm not sure if if that's just a, a Kyle has been ter- anomaly. Kyle Shanahan has been terrible in the NFL covering games as a favorite. They are they are the worst. I was just pulling this up from Twitter. The 49ers are the NFL's worst home favorite in the NFL since 2014. They have played house. This is absolutely astonishing. 26 games where they've been a home favorite. They've covered four. How does that happen? Four out of 26, they pushed two. They covered 16.7%. Since Kyle Shanahan took over, they're 4-12-1 and one ATS as a home favorite, tied for worst in the NFL. They're covering only at a 25% clip. Part of the reason why I think the money is coming in on the Green Bay Packers is not just like, oh, this trend, they're not a good home favorite, but 
the coming back from the East Coast back yep. to the West Coast where they've struggled in the past. And, you know, if the Packers can take advantage of this 49er secondary, which isn't totally great right now from a personnel perspective, a talent perspective, um, it's it's really going to come down to whether this O-line of the Packers can hold up against that 49ers pass rush. And if they can, I expect Aaron Rodgers to have some success throwing the football down the field. If they can't, uh, look for a much closer game and look for the run game of the 49ers and the offensive line there and the creativity and the schemes of Kyle Shanahan to end up causing some problems for this Packers defense. Well, if the line stays at three in, in a Sunday morning, I just want to make sure I don't have your permission to buy the hook, right? To Joe two House, and a half by the hook. No, to three and a half. Oh no, 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 no. Don't do that, no. right? Do if it's three, you don't want to buy off the three. Just push. It's not going to be worth the juice to buy off it in either direction. I wasn't sure which way you were headed there. Whether you want to get the 49ers or you want to take no, the, the Packers. Pack, I want sexy, keep sexy it, long keep hair it. Rogers on Sunday night. Yeah, sexy long hair Rogers. Just keep it at three. Let's let's hope old man uh listens to credence at the bar can uh <laughs> can get the win for you. Well, I know you have uh, a couple games that you were looking at. You were eyeballing uh, on the card this week. What do you What do you got in in the in the sharp thoughts? Okay, so one thing that I was thinking, House, and you know, granted, um, the line is moved, but we still want to talk about the game and see if we can find some angles for people to bet. Um, and that is the Saints and the. Patriots. Now, this mm. is a big game for both of these teams. Both are sitting at one and one. Both were projected to win nine plus games. Both are projected, you know, to make the playoffs. And so this is going to be a big test for both of these teams. Um, and, you know, I told you if I give something out to the customers, I'm actually going to come and say what it was on here um, and still give some of the angles. I would encourage you, the computer totals, my model starts cranking week three. We've got a bunch of games on the card this week from the computer model. We tend to move the market when I'm releasing my computer totals, and you're going to get a better number if you're getting it when we send out the game. So um, if you want to get on board, sharpfootballanalysis.com, sharp30 is the code to save 30% off anything. That being said, we got under 43 in this game, and here is the logic as to why. I know a lot of people saw the Saints play the Jacksonville Jaguars after Jameis Winston was announced starter, and he threw a couple of touchdown passes down the field and looked incredible against his Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Then they saw week one, and they thought, oh my God, what's going on? Is LASIK? What, was Jameis like the secret <laughs> guy? Like how, how is he destroying this Green Bay Packers team in week one, throwing five touchdown passes? And now you know what? You fast forward one week, House. Pretend, pretend we saw the week two results of these games, but we didn't see the Saints get absolutely slapped around by the Carolina Panthers. You would have known, oh my God, guess what? The Jacksonville Jaguars defense is not actually very good. I'm not that surprised that Jameis threw a couple touchdowns against them. And oh my God, look at this Green Bay Packers defense. They're pretty terrible too. They don't know what they're doing either. Maybe, just maybe, it wasn't that this Saints offense and Jameis Winston was incredible. Maybe it was the defenses that he was playing were downright garbage. Mm. And so he finally faced a real NFL defense and got slapped back to reality. The Saints recorded just 128 yards on offense, the lowest of any point in Sean Payton's career. Wow. Now, one of the reasons I was down on the Saints to start the season is I anticipated that they would not be throwing the football as much on first downs or early downs with Jameis as they did with Drew Brees. And by not throwing it, they're going to have to run the ball more. And by running it more, you're not going to gain as many yards. You're going to be in more second and longer situations. You're going to be facing more third downs. And it's all the snowball effect down the hill we go. This offense becomes less efficient, bypasses fewer first downs, ends up punting the ball more frequently. What ends up happening? Well, they shifted from the sixth most pass heavy team over the prior five years to now on first downs, the a 59% run rate, the fourth most run heavy team in the NFL in the first half of games. And those runs are averaging only four yards per carry and 40% success. And what has that done? Well, last year, for example, they had the second fewest yards to go on second down. Right now, they're averaging the fourth most yards to go on second down. So they're having to overcome so much more on offense. And 
guess what? Now they go up against the New England Patriots and the Patriots rank number two versus the pass, number 23 versus the run. I expect a lot of Saints run plays in this game, trying to do what they've been doing, but having a, hopefully a little bit more success against this Patriots runs defense. And I don't think they're going to want Jameis Winston to test the Patriots pass defense on the other side of the ball. Look at the first two games that the Patriots have played, the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets defenses. And the biggest factor here is the run defenses of both. Miami ranks number 22. The Jets ranked number 26. New England was relying on the ground game, keeping them on schedule, gaining a bunch of yards, not making Mac Jones do much. Smartly, you don't need him to. Don't let him. Only 5.6 air yards on the season, the fifth lowest of any quarterback. He's throwing the ball 4.1 yards short of the sticks on average, the fourth lowest of any quarterback. He's just kind of managing the game, lean on the run game. Don't make mistakes, win these games. That's what we're doing. And so that's what they did. Here's the problem now, though. The Saints run defense doesn't rank number 22. It doesn't rank number 26. It ranks number three in the NFL. I think they're still going to try to run the football here to keep Mac Jones without having to do too much, you're going to have a moving clock. Both of these teams are going to want to run up the football. Both these coaches don't want their quarterbacks going out winging the ball all over the field. I think this clock is going to be ticking pretty quickly. Right now, you can still get, depending upon how you shop, 21 in the first half. And I like under 21 in the first half. Again, I took under 43 for the game, but I do like under 21 in the first half. Another game that I like, and let me see what this total is right now. I'll give you one more house real quick. Okay, you can still get this one. I'm looking at the screen. The Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's another first half under that I like. First half under in the Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers. Joe Burrow, I think the last five dr- drives of his game last week, house were three interceptions followed by two touchdowns. The guy was sacked a ton last week, just like he was back in week one. I don't want all that variance happening at the end of the game in case they're down, they're trying to catch up late. He's throwing the ball all over the field with a high pass rate and they're trying to get back in the game and maybe get sacked and, and strip fumble. Other team got the Steelers get the ball in good field position. Maybe he throws a nice big touchdown. Maybe he throws an interception. Like we don't have to deal with any of that. In the first half of the game, see, this is the fun part about betting totals by half house because it's not just, oh, they have the total of the game is, uh, what is the total of the game here? 40 whatever we at 44 you don't have to sit here 43 you don't have to say oh i think this is too low i think it's too high you can just look at the first half you can isolate the derivative markets and say well in the first half they're going to want to keep the ball out of joe burrow's hands they don't want him throwing the ball a ton here they want to try to run it they want to protect him he's getting sacked a lot conversely the Steelers with Big Ben dealing with a peck if he's even able to go yeah they're going to want to try to run it they're going to try to be balanced a little bit here maybe we are seeing a little bit more running in the first half of this game too so that's another interesting one um I tend to play these first half unders a little bit lighter I don't go quite the full positions that I do when I'm betting full games so I would advise you guys follow that as well, go a little bit lighter on these first halves. Uh, but I think there's a couple that you could find still some uh, some edges on around some key numbers, and uh, and we could pull out pull out a nice uh, victory there. Yeah, I mean this this week to me the card lines up for the teasers that we talked about uh, and and totals that that you know you have finally some data that you feel like you can dig your teeth into. There's only uh, I'm not I'm not going to really play any sides. I do want to just give leans on on two games. Uh, this one is the uh, make Bill Simmons mad um, game of the week. He hates it when uh, I take two shitty teams and in, in a matchup, and then you know get, give out try and try and get to the bottom of of which one of these What's crappy teams is going to beat the other <laughs> crappy team. Uh, so obviously that's the Falcons and the Giants this week. The Falcons are at at the Giants. The Falcons are getting three points. I like the Falcons in this position only because um, I really thought they showed us something against the Bucs. They were up by a field goal in the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay. The pick six has ruined the game. Um, and, you know, there there is uh, some some bad luck in that. There's also some weird Daniel Jones, like, trend stuff. He's 10-4 and four against the spread on the road, but just 4-10 and 10 against the spread at home, which is just, you know, like, like weird. But, um, these two teams, it could be a, a pick on my understand that it's the home field advantage for the Giants. Um, do you have any reason to talk me out of the Falcons? 
No, I mean, look, like you said, two bad teams. I don't know yet what offense we're going to get from Arthur Smith, but I do know that I don't love the offense that we're getting from Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones. I mean, he has a hard on for the what for the Washington football team. Always plays well against those guys. Always struggles elsewhere. Um, so anytime you can fade Daniel Jones against somebody other than Washington and fade Jason Garrett is is probably going to win you money in the long run. Fade the clapper. I love it. Uh, the other game that I like um, aside, and again, this would be like a quarter position kind of thing for me, like a quarter unit, is Indianapolis getting five and a half at Tennessee. Um, and it's just because I think th- these two teams are are more evenly matched than that five and a half shows. I know that we still have uh, quarterback questions about the Indianapolis Colts, which is to say who the F is playing quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts this week. Um, seems probably not. Carson Wentz, probably some combination, I guess, of Hunley and and Eason. Hunley was out with the ones a whole bunch. I saw, uh, you know, in in terms of practice this week. By the time that we're recording this, so maybe it'll be a combo of those two guys. It's crazy against the spread in this in this game. the 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 road team has covered the the six and zero against the spread, and that I think is really just a testament of how important this game is to both of these teams for their um, ultimate ambition to win this conference. And so I just imagine a a closer game than five and a half points. Amy, one of the things that we said on the gambling show earlier this year is that I expected the NFC North and the AFC South to be absolute shit show divisions. And that's exactly what we got before. It was like, Oh my God, the Tennessee Titans, they should, they should win this division, right? That, you know, they, they should do all right. Especially when Carson Wentz went out And now this team looks completely incompetent. Not that the Colts are looking that much better, but I tend to agree with you. The key for me though, House, is you want to get good line value here. And we know this line opened up at like three and a half, four and a half. Money's coming in on the Tennessee Titans. No need, in my opinion, to run out and jump ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Let's see if Carson Wentz gets announces out or if he doesn't practice on Friday or if it doesn't look so good for him. I expect this thing to continue to go up. And I would much rather have, let's pretend, a six and a half with Eason than a five with Carson Wentz. I just don't see current form Carson Wentz, especially if he's not quite 100%. Um out there on the field. I don't think he's worth enough points. And I think Frank Reich has enough in his bag of tricks to figure out ways to be successful against this defense that can play to the backup quarterback's strengths here. So I would rather you wait a little bit longer and see if you can get a slightly better number. Oh, I love that. Zach Pascal, revelation. The guy, the guy's good. Like to see him flying around. Nice. I can nice tell you what, if, if you, if, if you, if you uh, truly believe that, I think you and Chris Ballard are the two people in America who <laughs> believe that. He absolutely defends Zach Pascal at all times. He loves him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's touchdowns he fly forever. I don't know. Um, well, look, you know, we we, we can't uh, end the show without um, a little bit of something exotic. I don't love the money line parlay that I pulled together. It's a whole bunch of favorites. Uh, but you know, I, I, I wish I knew how to quit them. I wish I beat knew. Your, beat your chest a little bit. Uh, you, you hit yours last week. Well, that's not? true. That's a great point. Uh, the money line parlay last week was Denver, uh, Dallas, and of Denver minus six. I didn't play the money line because I just, I, there was no reason to, to, they were laying less than a touchdown against Jacksonville, but it was Denver, uh, minus six. It was Dallas. And, uh, who else did I, I think it was the Patriots. Uh, and that paid off. It was like a plus five forty. That was pretty good. That, that covered up a lot. That was a a positive ROI for the week. This is a capital S square money line parlay. It's the Cardinals, the bills, the Browns and the Broncos. And the payoff is, is only plus one forty eight. So, you know, that that's that's the money line. What I really like better is the teaser, and we've been talking about teasers this whole show. Here's the five leg teaser that I, pu- I pulled together. It's Arizona minus one and a half. It's the Ravens minus one and a half or two, depending on where that's going to land. The Bills minus one and a half. The Rams plus seven and a half, and you warned me on that. And the Vikings plus seven and a half or eight, depending on where that line ends up. That's the five leg teaser. Five leg teasers play out at plus four fifty. You don't have to do it, but why wouldn't you? 
Um, yeah, look, I, I think the one interesting thing, you mentioned the Cleveland Browns. That game's interesting to me. I do feel like with Fields in at quarterback, you're going to get a little bit more public action than you would otherwise get on the Chicago Bears. I would think that the Chicago Bears with Andy Dalton going to get no action. Everybody wants to bet on Justin Fields. They feel good about backing this underdog. There aren't that many underdogs that are catching this many points that probably the public would be like, oh yeah, well, I can, I can create a narrative here where this team could actually win this game outright. So um, that is interesting. You might want to wait. You could get even a better number on the Cleveland Browns as some of that money comes in uh, on the Chicago Bears later in the week. But look, uh, the Denver Broncos certainly look great. There's just, to, to me, from a line perspective, there's not any value taking the Denver Broncos at some point. I mean, I guess you could just say Urban Meyer, this team is a complete dumpster fire and they're not going to do anything. I, of course, hope the Broncos continue to roll. I want to win my win total over after, you know, the ninth game week of the eight. season. Yeah, when, when we get to <laughs> week, week nine, we get to ninth you're ready. Game, I'm over eight and Let's a half. Cash. Let's cash these tickets. I'm good with that. So um, I hope they keep rolling. Uh, but but that's just a big number. Uh, and uh, and But the money yeah, line it's, should it's, be... It's grotesque. Should be okay. I mean, they play such good defense there. So the Buffalo one, that would be one that I would be concerned with just because bookmakers bet Washington. Um, Bills haven't looked great from a passing perspective. High variance game. If the blitz gets home, Buffalo could be in trouble. If the blitz doesn't get home, Buffalo could have a lot of success. I mean, I could see this game going a lot of different ways. And that's not normally something that you would say for a team that's laying seven and a half points at home. But I truly could see this game going a variety of ways with Heineke and all the uh, variants that he brings to the table as well. I hope you're right about that. I'm not even, you know. I haven't allowed myself, I haven't permitted myself to indulge the possibility that the Washingtons are going to win up there in Buffalo. Luke Russert will be so upset if that happens. He'll be so mad. Well, let's 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 see what happens there. You can give him a little crap on Twitter if that ends up happening. But I think that's it, House. Did I miss anything? No, that's a it's a it's a it's a great lineup. It's a great look. We the primetime games are are sexy. We didn't even talk about Dallas and Philly, and that's Monday night football. Good old fashioned NFC East. I mean, Dallas at home. Monday night football feels football's back. It feels good. Doesn't it Sharpie football is back. And that reminds me, we will be back on Monday with Chris Vernon. We're going to review these games. Look at all the action that was played. Look at if these favorites covered, look at how some of these teaser legs ended up doing. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Monday night game as well. So we'll be able to preview that a little bit. Special thanks, of course, to Joe house. Best of luck in all of your action, Joe. We are going to be pulling for you. Let's Thank get that Moneyline Parlay home again for the second week <laughs> in a row. Special thanks to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbrecht for producing the show. Everybody out there, good luck. We will see you guys on Monday. Enjoy the games.